Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Phillies were off for a week. We had no power last week. <laughs> so it worked out, worked out pretty well that we didn't hear you last week, but we are back and there's lots of Phillies baseball to talk about. The Phillies, since they've returned, have split a series against the New York Yankees and against the Atlanta Braves, which on the surface sounds like that's a wonderful thing, but there's lots to discuss. It was not always wonderful. I'm Frank Close here to talk about it with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. And Jeff, how's it feel to split two series against the Yankees and the Braves, four game series at that? Should that be a positive or or, or what else? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a, the big picture, and then there's the small picture. The big picture is, yeah. I mean, I probably didn't go into those games or, or looking at it when the schedule came out. And when you see Braves and Yankees, you think, oh, man, there's a potential of losing both or, or doing really poorly there, especially at the start of the year. So the fact that you can manage a split, salvage a split, is pretty good. Um, I think, though, that the macro is, boy, this team can – only do so much until the bullpen comes to into fruition. And look, going back to macro, they can probably make the playoffs because the playoffs are expanded. But going back to micro with this bullpen, you're not going to do too much in the playoffs. Yeah, and the bullpen, bullpen is the discussion, right, Hunter Brody? This is what we, this is all we can. This is the main takeaway out of all this is bullpen. Is that correct, Hunter? Yes, the bullpen is garbage. But I will say there's also something else to look at. I feel like the offense is a little bit inconsistent as well. You know, you do have some games where they're explosive, but then there's some games where it's they're getting three hits, two hits. And I feel like coming into the season, we all understood that the issue was going to be the bullpen. So when you see the offense struggle like it does, I feel like that's so concerning because it should be better. Guys like Scott Kingery, Gene Segura, Reese Hoskins in the two-hole, Andrew McCutcheon, another one. I, I think we knew the bullpen was going to be abysmal, probably not to this extent. So, yes, it's very frustrating to see them. But I feel like I'm just as frustrated with the offense, too. Well, why don't we talk about the bullpen first? Because that seems to be the big, big, big issue. So we're recording this on Tuesday morning. And Monday night, it seemed like Aaron Nola was just cruising along, 89 pitches after eight innings. I tend to agree with Joe Girardi's decision to pull him. I figured... Uh, well, you know what? The bullpen can't be that that bad that they can't get three outs in any uh, <laughs> difficult manner. But what do you know? Nick Pavetta comes in, and this ends up becoming a 13-8 victory. Have you ever, Hunter Brody, seen an eight-inning pitching performance like that with an offensive performance from the team, and it still feels like a loss? That was incredible. It's so hard to do what Nick Pavetta did, and I agree with Joe Girardi as well. I think that he's made some very questionable moves to this point, but the freaking out about Aaron Nola not going back out for the ninth, in what world? The score's 13-1, to your ace did his job, that's the time where you take him out and you should be able to get a guy in there to get the last three outs. The complete game is just an accolade that I don't think really mean, like, it, it, it's nonsense. What Joe Girardi did was the right move, so... To answer your question, no, I don't think I've ever seen something like that to the point where they had to get Kelly out there and then they actually had to warm up Hector Neris in a 13-1 to game going into the ninth. That's horrible. It, would have, it wouldn't have been so bad if Frank Close didn't predict it happening about 20 minutes before when he tweeted out that if the Phillies have to go to their bullpen, the 13-1 game is going to be 13-5 to or 13-6, whatever you predicted, Frank, that actually came true. I was true. too conservative. Now, I said 13-5, Jeff. 
Yeah, normally I would blame you and say you jinxed it, but you were just telling the truth, brother. And it's it's a shame. It really is a shame. And you have to go back to what we talked about in training camp, and that's it. I thought I understood it a little bit. Maybe I was rationalizing it with going with these younger arms, these Rossies, these Kellys, because it's a short season. You need some youth, but they had some veterans who could, who I, you know, Liriano being one who you thought could get somebody out in that kind of situation when you don't want to go to your closer. And they clearly went to go with guys who have never, you know, either never pitched before or just don't have that experience. And now they're paying the price. Well, let's start with that, Jeff, because all of the veteran arms the Phillies released in camp are still unemployed. Now, Francisco Liriano, that's the one that really stands out, the arm that we thought that could help the Phillies. But, you know, I got to wonder if, if, if he had something to do with that decision, because he had come to come to summer camp a little bit late, saying he was considering opting out. He was the one name that we were that, that kind of came up as a potential opt out. And then he ends up getting released, and then other teams have been calling him, and he's saying no thanks. So um, that that could have been partially a, a Francisco Liriano decision, and I guess I have to respect that. But Anthony Swarzak, Bud Norris, Drew Storen, none of these guys are on any major league teams right now. And and if you look around the league, there's I think they said yesterday on the broadcast, there's like, what, 56 pitchers on the disabled list or injured list, excuse me, right now. Uh, <laughs> The fact that you can get that far down with expanded rosters, you know, when every team is averaging 15 pitchers or 16 pitchers, that kind of says something that they didn't even have any veterans in that that could help you during this spring training. What do you think, Hunter? Yeah, no, I think that the veterans, just to think about what is on this bullpen, like the Adam Morgans, the Tommy Hunters, the guys that you think that you could rely on with some air quotes, they can't even get the job done out there, you know? So, it seems like no matter who they throw out there is ridiculous, right? I mean, so, they well, do I have. Will say, let me ask you this though, Hunter. So you, uh, they got two guys who I uh, I think are are reliable, but you want them for later in the games. And I'm, I'm you know I'm putting Neris apart aside. I recognize oh, he's the closer. Well, I meant no. middle relief. Okay, I meant middle right. relief. Show guys. the man some respect. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, they got uh Alvarez, who I think has nice stuff, is confident, is throwing the ball well, left. Handed helps. He can pitch to right-handers too. And so they that's traded Luis Garcia for him. That was a nice pickup. Absolutely. It really was. I, I trust in Alvarez to the point where I think he's now a seventh or eighth inning guy, depending on you know what the opponent lineup looks like with lefties or righties. And you know, I, I don't know where I am with Morgan and Hunter. I think that they they're they're good for the Phillies because they're better than what the, the rest of the players. But on any other team, I don't know that those are late inning guys. So really, Neris and Alvarez are the ones. I trust the most right now. I still think, you know, Hunter can get some guys out. But after that, before that, I'm, I just don't know. So I tend to think, allow me to be a little radical here, uh, because I think, as you're pointing out, Frank, there's not like a whole lot of great options out there that are going to come in and probably do much better of a job. So when you're faced with a no-win situation, I think you have to think differently. And I noticed that the Tampa Bay Rays swept the Yankees without any starting pitcher going more than three innings. And it made me think what I think the Phillies are in good hands with their starters right now with Nola Wheeler and and, um, Arietta. So what if every fourth day you just had Velasquez and Spencer Howard pitch almost three innings, three innings each and try to get yourself six or seven innings so that then you can go to Alvarez and Neres and not have to use this god awful bullpen. And then on on game five, you can probably do that with um, with Eflin. And another kind of 
Nick you know, starter slash reliever. <laughs> Maybe Pavetta, because I don't think I know Pavetta was bad. I know he was bad, but I still think he can pitch better than some of the guys are throwing out there. And if you just train him for the role and say, look, you're going to give us three innings every fifth day, I think he can adjust to that and it's still going to be better. I just think that at this point, you need to try something differently or else you're just, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. All right, so so there's a, there's a lot I want to I want to say in response to that, Jeff. So first, the idea of piggybacking. Now, Joe Girardi actually said yesterday that he could see the Phillies piggybacking Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez, and the reason why he said he might do that is there's some double headers coming up. But listen, I did the math. All right, I went I went day by day and I counted because they're off on the 17th, because they're off on the 24th, they don't need a six starter until you get all the way to like September 8th. Like that's set, that that's the way that's the six days where they have three double headers in six days, right? Because you know that's not cruel or anything. But with that layout, I, I actually think you can't piggyback them. And here's why. Vince Velasquez then is only going to pitch every fifth day. So let's say Spencer Howard starts, right? So and we'll break down his first start in a little bit. But Spencer Howard starts and Vince Velasquez comes in if he's if he's the piggybacker then you're wasting a bullpen arm by only pitching him every fifth day. Like if you're go- my, 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 my opinion is if you're going to put Velasquez in the bullpen, if, if Howard's going to be the one to start the game, you need Velasquez more than once every five days. Like, I, I don't know if you can you waste, I don't say waste. Well, you would have I, to believe that Vinny would be an effective arm out of the bullpen. Well, I think he's got to be better than what you're getting, right? I mean, the Garras of the world, the Austin Davises, it's worth a shot. I see where Frank's at. I mean, you got to think that Vinny V can do a better job than those guys. But really, like, it, you know, he's never, they've never once. Now, last year he got demoted to the bullpen, and then, then, then like, Three days later, was like, all right, we need a bullpen game. Oh, Vince, you're going to pitch first. And he gave a traditional Vince Velasquez four-inning start. But no one has ever committed to giving him a shot in the bullpen. You know, when the Phillies traded for him, some of the scouts actually said, you know, this guy could be a better closer than Ken Giles, who you traded to get him, right? Never once do they just say, all right, we're going to commit to that. And listen, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, look, look, look at the contracts a couple of years ago, Pat Neshek and Tommy Hunter signed with the Phillies. Each of them got like eight million bucks a year, right? If you're Vince Velasquez, what do you want to be this this fledgling fifth starter making four million dollars, or could you own that role and and make something of your of yourself? Like I feel like I feel like nobody has actually said to him like, look, this is a real opportunity for you to make a nice living, to to pitch well, and just let him do it. Like I don't understand what is taking the Philly so long. And yeah, you know what really bothered me about Velasquez last time is he talked about him earning that fifth starter spot. I don't know what he did to earn that fifth starter spot other than Ranger Suarez getting COVID, right? I mean, like, like, like Suarez probably would have been the guy out of spring training if he had had a normal spring training and things went fine. But, but what has he done to, to, to make anybody think that he's not going to come in and give you four innings a start? Well, in that case, then, Frank, I still think the piggyback idea might work because of the, you know, you can put Vince Velasquez in the pen and then piggyback, say, Eflin and Howard. Because I don't know if Eflin's going to give you, you know, six fine. or seven strong innings. One start. He might get bombed in his next one. I, to me, I mean, I just got you got to figure out a way to use Spencer Howard correctly, I think, here. 
and I'm not sure him also in the bullpen is is the best thing. But Eflin, I know though, they're like, going to play a bunch of double Eflin headers. Didn't get to start until like the what? How many days I'm, into the season no, was it? <laughs> I know that was that was unfortunate for him. It wasn't it wasn't 14th day of that. the season. He gets to finally start or something like that. So so I think you need to let him pitch a couple more times. I know he wasn't that stretched out and only went four, but he was he was fine in his four. I mean the but that, but see here's the problem right now. And and Hunter, maybe you can tell me what you're thinking about this. I think right now one of the reasons this bullpen is so uh, the problem is so exacerbated is the fact that they they didn't play for seven days that they were already not stretched out enough as it was. So it's like you always have to go to the bullpen. It seems like you know, except for the Wheeler and Nola starts, you've kind of had to go to the bullpen much earlier than you than you you would like. And and even in some of the good Arietta starts, right? The first one he only went five again, not stretched out. He didn't get to pitch before things really got shut down. So 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 could this be something that looks better when you get the starters stretched out a little bit more hunter yeah i mean sure i think in theory that sounds great and i guess some of that also goes on joe girardi because i remember that arietta start where he went five i would have put him out there again in the sixth you know i knew it was him coming back and, and finally being able to throw after that long delay with the covid and the miami marlin situation but I would have let him go six, and Joe. It just seems, and maybe this goes hand to hand with what you're you're saying about the pitchers being stretched out. It just seems like Joe Girardi is managing this season as if it's 162 when it's 60, right? And then that's kind of why it's almost as if he's taking it. Re, re, is he valuing winning or is he valuing the players' health? And I know I'm not saying players' health doesn't matter, but I feel as if. It's too far to one side, and he's not valuing winning at times, and then that's when this type of scenario happens. You don't have to go the bullpen so early if you allow Arietta to go that six when he was actually pitching well in that game. Yeah, but he, uh, listen, I was with you on that, Hunter, but he made a really good point, and it's, it's I mean, the number of starting pitchers who are hurt right now is over 50, I believe, and we're like two weeks into the to this thing. It's, it's a, I get it. He said sometimes you have to, police these guys because they're not going to police themselves as far as health. I get it. The, the, I, I hear what you're saying, but the reality is you're not going to win as many games as you want to win unless you can get outs from your bullpen. And that's not a good reason to go to bad players. But the, the point is you're not going to hurt your good players <laughs> to bring in bad players, um, you know, and then have two, two bads. You have a hurt starter and a bad bullpen. He's got to figure out guys and their roles and unfortunately they don't have a lot of time to do it or they have to figure out if they have to go make a trade or get somebody and I know that one inning doesn't seem like it's a whole lot but over the course of a career or even a season I think it is and um, you know we can blame Girardi I do think his first series of the year when he went to um, what's the guy's name Rosso yeah, Rosso. Uh, to make Rosso. His, Rosso to make his major league debut in a game that's close and tight, and you want to win. That I, I questioned, and we 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 talked about that. But the bottom line is, <laughs> this bullpen's really bad, and I don't know how it's going to get better. So they have to do something differently. So, so let me bring up one more thing that I think is is contributing to this. And 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 when the moment Rosso came into that first game, I thought, oh shoot, this is going to be a problem. That three in, that three batter rule for relievers, this is not helping. Like yeah, I, well, the idea behind it was you're going to speed up the games, right? Because you don't have the mound visits. So hmm. now you, you you see Rosso come into the game. He clearly doesn't have what it takes, and then you got to suffer through two more batters before you can pull him. And then by then, all three have gotten on. And then the mm-hmm. next guy you go to, what if he's struggling? Yeah, well, that, you know how lo- how much time did that add to the game? Right. You still had to make the pitching change. 
And the result were the results have been these blowups in the middle of games. And it's not just the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about when they played the Yankees, right? That one game, the Phillies almost blew them out. Why? Because they went through the same damn thing, going through middle reliever after middle reliever, three batters, three batters, three batters. You can't take them out yet. What a mess. Right. Like, I think that rule needs to go. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's it's like if you're worried about the pitching changes and that's why you don't like baseball, well, then I don't think you like baseball. That's as simple as it is. If, if you're not watching because the game's too long and there's too many uh, pitchers being in the game at one point, well, then I just don't think you like the game enough, right? But, right. You don't like strategy. You yeah. don't respect the craft. Right. Correct. Yeah, that's I why agree. I would never outlaw the shift either. Th- there are times where... Um, I, I feel like Joe Girardi, there's been a couple of times where he's maybe left some of these relievers in too long after those three batters. Though. There's been a handful of times where it's, hey, maybe you should get this guy out of here. It's been three batters, and he allows them to kind of work through it. And I could question some of those moves as well. Well, well you wonder, he had so much success with his bullpen with the Yankees. And, and, yeah, he had Mariano listen, Rivera. In, <laughs> no, 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 hold on. Well, we I was, I was about to bring David this up. Robertson in his pride. We have Hector in, 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 I was just about to say, in fairness, not only did he have Rivera, but he's had Chapman, he had uh, Andrew Miller. I mean, he had David Robertson. But his mindset is, no matter who I threw in there, it's, they seem to be getting the job done. I wonder if he just felt like he's such a good manager of the bullpen that things would even itself out and, th- you know, roles would help guys get better. And now he's having a rude awakening to just how shaky this bullpen really is. But here, here's another here's another reason why this three batter rule is a problem. So Adam Morgan at his best, all right? So we've, we've seen two two real outings from him that make one that made you say, wow, good job mm-hmm. when he kind of came in with the bases loaded and somehow got out of it, right? So So the other time was he just gets rocked and he's got to stay for three batters. The problem is people like Adam Morgan, his success comes when he's properly brought into the game against the right left-handed hitters. You bring him into the right situation, Adam Morgan looks great. If you try to give him a full inning against some righties too, he gets rocked, right? So the three the three batter rule kind of steals that strategy from you. And ultimately, Adam Morgan, it's going to kill his career. Right? right, right. Am I wrong in thinking that? That like if, if this bat the three batter rule sticks, people yes, like it him will are, because he he is a specialist to the core, and now you're asking him to be more than just a specialist. And I think yeah, it, it's going to hurt him. I, and again, I think the way Alvarez pitches, you know, to both lefty and righties, you you're you're going to want to get him in games in, in those spots because he can get both players out um, with his stuff. So I you know. Uh, yeah, and and that's my the point I was making before, Frank, is that on a different team, is Adam Morgan even considered like one of your better relievers? Probably okay. not. Probably not better relievers. No, he had a no, good. He had a good lefty. Yeah, he had a good stretch last year where he didn't allow any earned runs. Thanks, John Middleton. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> thanks for did. thanks for these did. great stretches. No, no, I know he does. Every did, all these guys have good stretches. What I'm looking for I think is a guy who's a good player. ERA crap. All right, <laughs> throw me a bone here. Yeah, just, the that's my point. Is everybody has a good stretch every once in a while? I'm looking for a guy who can have a good year. <laughs> I would say he had a good year last year. Right? It wasn't bad. He had a good year. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so for, for all of the problems that they have, what are some actual solutions? What What can you? All right. Let me ask you this first. Do you make a statement and get rid of somebody off this roster? Right. All right. So let, let's go. Let's go through this roster. So we have Nick Pavetta, right? Who some people like to. And here's the thing. Nick Pavetta is one of those. He could be good kind of guys, right? So if you do that too much, We've you're gonna have a big problem. Deolis Guerra, right? So has he has he looked good at a couple times? Yeah. Has he looked completely bad? Others, absolutely. You have Ramon Rosso. 
talented young guy, probably rushed to the major leagues. Rosso looked really, really bad, <laughs> right? And, and, and Joe again, Kelly can go. Uh, right. So Trevor Kelly. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Trevor Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Trevor oh. Kelly. Then you have Austin Davis still in this roster. So like this is five roster spots in your bullpen. I know they have they have two extra right now because of the uh, expanded rosters to 28. But that's a lot of arms you can't count on. How can any manager you're talking about bullpen management? How can any manager try? Like, what do you do? Like, I mean, even last night, Joe Girardi's like, oh, good. I'll put two of the worst ones in just to get through three innings and 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 I'll help breaks loose. Like, like, like right. when do you when do you finally make a roster move? When do you just go? And, and by the way, that best bullpen ever last year, whatever it was, they said they, they did such a great job down the stretch. One of those core pieces, Blake Parker, is still hanging out in Allentown, by the way, you know, hmm. uh, who has as experienced in the major leagues. I don't know why you don't go to Blake Parker at this point ahead. Some of these rookies, so you can't really actually look at pitching before you, you make a decision. I mean, that's that you know, talking about going to Rosso like. What what more does Joe Girardi have other than oh he looked good throwing on the side, <laughs> so like yeah like like he doesn't he doesn't that's the point that there's there's <laughs> nothing to do other than what you're saying is maybe bring bring back Blake Parker, Edgar Garcia is better Connor, than this at least Connor Brogdon I mean he's so young too but I he's a little more intriguing than some of these guys so so basically you have two guys in the, in Lehigh Valley right now that have major league experience you have Blake Parker. And then you have Edgar Garcia, who, again, was rushed to the major league. So, you know, Garcia mm-hmm. was somebody that looked like he's got some good stuff. But the fact that you rush him to the major leagues can kind of stunted his development. So do, do you give him another shot right now over Trevor Kelly? I would say yes. Where's J.D. Yeah. Hammer? J.D. Hammer is not in Allentown. <laughs> Come no, on. I love those glasses. That's a good he's, look. He's hanging out at home right now. But uh, where's our buddy Luke Leftwich? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but, uh, um, Frank. Didn't I think Joe Girardi alluded to this after the uh, the the win the other night? You know the the one where the bullpen imploded again. Where he said was we haven't made a move yet, but we're evaluating our bullpen every single day. And if we feel like we need to make a move, we will make a move. Now he's not going to announce it right then and there, but there's no way Team Brass meets the following day this morning and says, you know what. This is fine, right? We'll be, we'll be able to manage this. This is it's not a this year problem. It's been a many year, except for last September, of course, problem. So I do think that they'll probably do something. Now the question is: is is Blake Parker really going to be the, the answer? Maybe one or two arms better. Uh, you know, Parker and Garcia can make a big difference. I hope so. Not as confident though. But I mean, Trevor Kelly, like they they, they picked him up. He had a, a like an ERA of almost nine last year and three losses with with the Boston Red Sox and they they grabbed him on waivers and then they designated him for assignment. He cleared waivers and the Phillies and somehow he's on the major league roster even after all that. Austin Davis, I don't understand Austin Davis. I mean, he's the kind of guy and you know what? Cole Irvin is probably on the same elk. Cole Irvin has already been optioned to to, to the uh, Allentown facility, but Cole Irvin, somebody that. There are guys that look very good at AAA, and then they just can't put it together in the major leagues. Right, and, and they might be it. Yeah. By the way, know. when does Reggie McLean come back? Does wasn't he on paternity? You know he's leave? on the paternity list. He he's he's coming. It feels like it's been forever. <laughs> I gotta wonder if you know when you leave like that, if maybe being in the hospitals, maybe he's got to quarantine yeah. a little bit first and take some COVID tests. How about I Ranger actually like Suarez? Reggie McLean? Anything? Any news on Ranger Suarez? 
there was a little bit of, of yeah, yeah, that that's a great name to bring up because imagine where they would be if he was there right now. I mean, that they, they'd be so much better if 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 even Howard was starting and, and Suarez was in the bullpen. Uh, last report was a, probably about five or six days ago. And they said he was still a couple of weeks away, two to three weeks away. Oh, so, is so I don't, I don't, but is something not adding up with that. It, or, is he like just has a lot of symptoms? COVID. Like, it was a COVID issue. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I know, oh. but that's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's just, you know, you see Scott Kinger, you see Tommy Hunter, you see a lot of these guys that come at Freddie Freeman. You know, you just, I'm not saying, I'm just, it's a long time. That's all, you know, must be really going through some things with it. Hey, it's well, like, it's possible that Kingery and Freeman had contracted it way earlier than Suarez did. So, cause those guys were out first. I mean, they, before the restart even began. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they were, I think Freeman said he was sick for quite a while. Yeah. And so, you know, some, uh, that's the thing about this virus. Some people get it worse than the other, than others. I mean, if, yeah. if it really incapacitates you and you, you lose a lot of weight or, you know, like, it takes you a while to get it back. So, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Suarez is okay. The last report was that at least he's progressing along and there's, there's a sign that think he's going to get better, but mm-hmm. um, which is the most important thing that, that his health is, is getting better, but they really, really miss him. Yeah. yeah no By the doubt. way, Sir Anthony Dominguez finally had his surgery, <laughs> <How about that? laughs> which means he'll be knocked out all the next year too. So yeah, I can't wait till 2022. Yeah. What, what type of expectations is on his return at this point? <laughs> By the way, there is, I did read though there is a chance, chance like this this big chance uh Robertson could return this year. <laughs> oh. Yeah, same well, if hey, if the Sixers make a long playoff run, there's a chance Ben Simmons will be back. <laughs> That's about the same chance. <laughs> Yeah, you know. And by the way, somebody was saying the other day, my my buddy Patrick Franklin, who uh, plenty of you follow us on Twitter probably know, but but Patrick was saying like, oh man, eh. and, and this is true. Like the Phillies are basically deciding between Zach Britton and David Robertson, and <laughs> Zach Britton had the huge injury history, and they go Robertson instead. It seemed like an easier, more conservative deal, two years instead of the three Britton got with the Yankees, and. What do you know? Britain was closing games against the Phillies, mm, and Robertson yeah. is is the one who's injured. I mean, so. at the time though, I love this sign. It's so unfortunate. It's, it really yeah. is yes. just unlucky. It's not like they planned this poorly or it was bad execution to go out and get him. It made a lot of sense, and he didn't have an injury history. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it is pretty consistent though with the team's inability to get anything right from a pitching acquisition standpoint. I mean, That's just true. nothing. Going back to like. Clay Buckholtz and, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they brought somebody else in whose name eludes me. But I mean, it seems like whoever they acquire, a Charlie disaster ensues. Yeah, Charlie Morton, right. I mean, it just this this front office has fit. And, and we, we, we have kind of not talked about that because we've talked about Girardi. But they knew this bullpen was an issue long before this season started. And their best attempt at fixing it was the names that Frank has been going over with Austin Davies and uh, Trevor Kelly and Ramon Ross. So, I mean, I look, I get it. It's hard to find really good relievers. And when you do, they're year to year. But when you knew that that was your number one issue, and I hope that they really felt that despite that wonderful September, uh, and you do very, very little to fix it, I have to question what you were thinking. And you know what? The other thing too is, you know, think of some of these really good relievers out there. These have been guys that that have been starters, and the team was able to develop into them. I mean, like Andrew Miller, you mentioned that name a while ago. You know, he yeah. was the centerpiece of that Miguel Cabrera trade to the Marlins. 
And right. you know, he would start against the Phillies and get lit up. And then somewhere along the way, the way, someone's like, you know, if I put him in the bullpen, he might be an electric reliever. And then what do you know? He ends up being the most dominant reliever, arguably, for, for a few years. I don't really see the Phillies taking any chances like that. It's like it's like they're I guess Sir Anthony Dominguez was one of them because he was a starter at, the, at one point before they said, let's give him a shot in this bullpen. But I don't mm-hmm. really see them crafting anybody developing them along. I, I don't know, but to your point, maybe that's the Vince Velasquez that has yeah. to happen. Maybe, but, but maybe what's that taking is so it. long. The well, fact that they don't really have a whole dearth of starting pitcher. I mean, a, a whole abundance of great starting pitchers who can go six innings. Yeah. Or, or the fact they got sucked into the cutter and the changeup. She's barely <laughs> utilizing in that last start, by the way. It's like, come on. Man. <laughs> well, let's, one last word on the bullpen before we take a break. What do you do today? Hunter Brody to address this bullpen. How do you make it better? I honestly don't know if there is anything you can do. Like, are teams going to be willing to make all these trades at the deadline? No, they're not. I honestly think you are stuck with this, and you got to find a way to be crafty and make it work, or someone steps the hell up. How about that? Take the damn ball and make it work, Nick Pavetta or any of these guys. Jeff Mosher, final word on the bullpen before we take a break? Uh, I'm going to die somehow on the piggyback hill, and maybe it's not. Um, you know, Velasquez, maybe it's somebody else, but I just think you need got you need even mediocre starters out there for longer than you had than you, you need bad relievers. So if piggybacking helps, which I think it could, especially in double headers, if you can get three and three and then go to Naris for, for seven, I think that's a better uh better shot than than bringing in the, the guys that we keep talking about. When we come back, we have two more things to talk about with the Phillies offense. So at times it's a little quiet. Other times it's really, really loud. We'll, we'll break that down and we'll break down Spencer Howard's first start. Or after this, this is the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Now we talked about the Phillies bullpen, but the long awaited arrival of Spencer Howard took place on Sunday. Uh, oh, you could argue that it was a pretty good start. I mean, you know, he, he looked good at times. He gave up some runs indeed. Some of the, some of, well, he had what, one inherited runner score, but overall impressions of, of Spencer Howard, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, you were hoping for a little bit better, but he did have some some really good sequences. Uh, you know, he made Austin Riley look like a fool uh, uh, in one at bat there that showed you what he can do. He obviously wasn't consistent with with all of his pitches, and and um, I think he would have liked to have done better. But I'm not gonna. It's it's one start, and so I'm I'm curious to seeing to see him over the long haul because I think he has excellent excellent stuff and killer curve. And uh, you know, I think one of the advantages that the Phillies will have this season with Spencer Howard when he pitches, and it, it didn't shine through the other day, but it probably will going forward, is that a lot of teams have not seen him and don't know everything that he does or his tendencies. So that's why I do want him to continue to pitch and be a, a, a starter and uh, even in a piggyback role because I just think he's going to be uh, a real asset as long as he, he can, you know, he's not the moment's not too big for him. Yeah, absolutely. A, a couple things stood out to me. Uh, they did attack his fastball pretty early there. Right? It, mm-hmm. it, I mean, um, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman took it for a ride, so – that was in play. He didn't get much swing and miss on the fastball. But you mentioned the 
the knuckle curve. And, oh, my, 12 to 6, and it was 74 miles per hour. That thing dropped real quick. So he throws that 93-mile-per-hour fastball that he was throwing, and I expect that to maybe go up a bit. I feel like he does have a little bit more power in that fastball than 93, although I know there's been a conversation about the guns not being perfect during this season right now. But, um, but yeah, no, the, the, the curve was disgusting. He had the slider, the strikeout on Azuna was pretty nasty as well. So he had stuff. I just wonder, can he get some swing and miss stuff on the fastball, and then can he blow it by some guys? Because you did see top hitters in the league, of course, but he's going to have to face them. But the top hitters did attack him pretty early and get some good damage off of it. So to clarify, Jeff, so if this piggybacking happens, does Spencer Howard have to pitch first? I think it would. It helps, but it uh, does he have to? No, because it's you still have the advantage of bringing him in and the uh, – uh, offense has not seen him very much, but you know you're trying to groom him for an eventual starting role. And if he can, you can stretch him out so that you don't have to p- piggyback eventually. That would be good because you you have another pitcher who you think can give you six plus innings. That's what you're ultimately looking for. Yeah, and and so Spencer Howard. They, they again, we were just saying this a little while ago that the the plan is to have both Howard and Velasquez ready to start when their turn comes around the next time. It's got to be one of the two, right? So, I mean, would you would you lean Howard though? I mean, or, or or do you think there's any benefit whatsoever to have Velasquez going first? Yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm done with the Velasquez thing at this point. Yeah. Try something new, and I feel if you want Spencer Howard to be in this rotation like we all want him to, let's put him in a situation where he feels most comfortable. He's already so new to this, right? And jittery and a first MLB start was his last start. Let's put him out there in a spot where he least feels comfortable starting a baseball game instead of coming out of the bullpen. And I like that too, because what if he, what if he has success? I mean, you, you don't need to piggyback him right away. I mean, if he's, if he's pitching into the sixth inning and, and giving up maybe a run or two, I mean, why, why do you even go to the, back of your pig <laughs> i don't know it's a it's it's uh so valid guess, point frank <laughs> I, I guess my hope for him is that that, that he gets to go for, i'm okay with the idea of keeping that Velasquez thing around but i just want to make sure howard gets the start does that make sense so yeah, is that fair enough i couldn't agree more with you i agree all right so uh so we'll look forward to seeing how he does on start number two. Now let's look at this Phillies offense though. So the offense has been a little up and down. So we're, we've seen the Phillies look really, really good. And we've seen them look really, really bad. So there's two things at play here. One offense around the league is, is, is down. All right. So I think that's the early going. So perhaps the summer camp, perhaps starting up the, the, the quick, let's, let's hurry up and get the season together. Maybe that has timing off for a lot of guys. Uh, but, Still, with that said, a few of the Phillies haven't looked that great so far, namely Reese Hoskins, Scott Kingery, and Andrew McCutcheon. So why don't we start with you, Hunter, on, on Reese, Reese Hoskins. You know, I've heard people say for the first time this year, well, maybe Reese isn't that good. Well, it's, it's very possible. Uh, this is... He came in with such high expectations based off of that one season that he had when he first got caught up, and it was awesome. And I have a stat here where Reese Hoskins is swinging at just 44.6% of pitches in the strike zone, which is the lowest percentage in the majors. It honestly just feels like he's going up to the plate 
not even trying to swing the bat, not even looking to do anything but walk in that two-hole. And, and that's an issue. If, if he's just going to be a guy that walks, that's not good enough for what Reese Hoskins can do. It's just not good enough. Now, the last couple games, I think he's starting to get a little bit better contact for what it is. I mean, I don't know what that really means in the long term, but a couple warning track shots and some exit velo stuff that seems positive. But all around, he's not going up there trying to actually swing the bat at times, and that is bothering the hell out of me. I'm starting to get pissed off when he walks, and that shouldn't be a thing. I value walks. I'm not dumb. When you're hitting in the second spot and you got Bryce Harper behind you, walking's great, but it's pissing me off at this point because he is doing himself a disservice. I agree, and I think the problem, there's nothing wrong with a walk, but when you start valuing a walk, Ahead, and you're a home run guy. I mean, if you're Cesar Hernandez, okay, right? But when you're Reese Hoskins and you're a slugger and you start to value a walk more so than you value a double or a home run, and that goes to that pit that stat hunter just mentioned where you're not swinging at drivable pitches almost 50% of the time, then your mentality is wrong. And I think that that's the case, that he's valuing the wrong thing. He's not a... A table setter. This isn't 80 88 where your number two hole hitter um, walks a lot as a, as a middle infielder, bats like 290, steals a few bases, and maybe hits 10 home runs, right? He's a he's the he, he's supposed to be with the two hitter, a high on base percentage, high home run guy, you know, like a Carlos Santana might be, even if the batting average is low. I'll deal with, with Reese batting 240. Right. As long as he's going to give me 25 to 35 home runs out of that spot and and have the to continue to have the high on base percentage. So for him, he's made it to be either or. I'm either going to be a high walks guy or a home run guy, and I'm I'm going with the walks. And I think that that's that's not what he is or what he should be or what the lineup needs because they don't have. And I get that Real Muto is hitting well and he's got five home runs now, but he's not a a forty home run guy. You need Reese to be that guy. So how much of this is the previous regime's philosophy? He came up under Pete McCannon, hit a bunch of home runs. Things sort of changed under Gabe Kapler. Like, do you think that that the hitting approach of, I mean, let's face it, he got John Maley fired, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. fair to say, right? I mean, Reese Hoskins was a big reason that John Maley got fired. Did did that organizational approach of the previous coaching staff mess with Reese Hoskins in a way that maybe he's 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 not being aggressive enough? I think so, but I will say, as a professional, at some point it's on you to make sure that you find a way out of this thing, right? I mean, like, yeah, you're, it could be. Look what happened to Carlos Santana. He goes to the Indians, and he has a hell of a season, and it's a totally different Carlos Santana. But, you know, at some and point— J.P. Crawford, too. Look yeah. what J.P. Crawford's doing now. Yeah, absolutely. J.P. Crawford's having a nice little how-do-you-do out there. I will say, as a professional— I do think it's on you if if you are struggling due to the philosophy there. You get Joe Girardi, you get a whole new situation here. You got to find a way to get out of it, right? I mean, you can't just keep firing all these people because Reese Hoskins can't find a way out of this thing. He went with the philosophy of changing his approach. Then before the season starts, he's changing it again. Uh, And then he's going back. I mean, figure it out, right? It's on you. You're a pro hitter. Figure it out. It might be harsh, but it's reality. So, so if you're the coaching staff, then like, uh, how how do you, and and uh, again, we I, I mentioned this before because I because I got to talk to Reese on a Zoom call. Like, he's talking about it being a hybrid approach from from his early days and, and 
the coaching philosophy uh, that's that's kind of coming in. Uh, is he going to settle into this under Joe Dillon as the new hitting coach? Or is do you do you think that potential is there? Is is this is this a coaching thing? Frank, I think it can be. I really do. I, I'm obviously without any knowledge of it, but I'd be surprised if if Reese and Joe Dillon weren't watching some film and Joe wasn't pointing out all of these strikes, these drivable pitches that he's taking and how those can be pitches that he deposits in the left field bleachers if he decides to swing or if he's expecting that. But the thing is, I do think it's, and I hate saying it, but I think it's going to take a little time. Um, I don't love Reese and the two hole. I, I wanted Kingery there to start the season. Obviously, I, I haven't been validated by that. We'll talk about him next. Played. Yeah, well, but uh, I do think as much because uh, I'm completely with Hunter, and I, I agree. He's just seeing way too many good pitches. I want to give him like at least a week more. And I know the season's short, but they are score. They are averaging five runs a game. One thing we have to understand about the Phillies is they're averaging five runs a game. They're number one in the league in OPS. And they're number one in the league right now in uh, on-base percentage. So, And they're third, third, I think, in slugging percentage. So scoring runs isn't an issue. They tend to be a little feast or famine. But uh, as far as they're doing with the rest of baseball, they're doing all right. So I want to give Reese a little time. Because if it does sink in and you get something close to the Reese Hoskins of two years ago, that's a really nice 2-3-4 the way Real Muto and Harper are going right now. So, so then what about Kingery then? So this is his really his first chance for a team to say, you're the starting second baseman, go go play. Uh, could some of this be carryover from his COVID battle that, you know, he got a late start, his timing's still off. I, you know, how much leeway do you give someone like Scott Kingery Hunter before you just say, all right, listen, listen, Phil Gosselin, who, who is hitting the, the, the cover off the ball nonstop. You're going to be our second baseman for a while. Yep, you took it right. You took it right from me. Uh, look, this is where the conversation I brought up a little bit ago about one sixty-two or sixty-game season. Which one is it? You might have to pull the trigger on Scott Kingery right now. How do you keep Phil Gossett? I know this is honestly hilarious to say because it is. How do you keep Phil Gossett out of the lineup right now? <laughs> I, seriously, it's every time he gets a hit, I'm cracking up as if this can't be real. But it is real, and he keeps doing it. And I know they only put him in the lineup when there are certain pitchers out there. He's a lefty, right? right. So he's exactly. basically in a platoon with Jay Bruce. That's right. kind of what it comes down to now. Right. But if Scott Kingery is this bad, you're telling me that Phil Gosselin's not worth the chance to throw him out there every day right now just to see? Another scenario that popped up over the weekend, it was Adam Hayes. I forget who was on the mound, but it was a lefty, and there was Neil Walker on third. Joe Girardi pinch hit for Adam Hasey, put in Andrew McCutcheon, a guy who hasn't even been hitting good at all. He hit a little dribbler to shortstop, which ended up scoring the run, but it was fluky. Give Adam Hasey a shot there. I just feel like let him earn the fact that he can't hit lefties instead of just assuming that he can't hit lefties. Give him a chance. Well, I feel the same with Phil Gosselin. Give the guy a chance at this point because Scott Kingery's not doing it. So what about McCutcheon? You mentioned McCutcheon. Anything to worry about on him? Is he still just kind of tentative on that knee, Jeff, that, that he's off to a little uh, bit yeah, of a slow start? Uh, you know, He's the type of guy that I think you have to give time. And I still think you have to give um, Kingery some time. I mean, the law of averages says that these guys who are hitting under 100 are going to go through a torrid pace and hit about 300 just to get somewhere in the 200 neighborhood soon. So, and this is, you know, pretend this is April. Uh, there's always guys who start off on fire. There's always guys who start off in slumps. Unfortunately, we don't have the opportunity to have six months of it, but 
you know, those, especially McCutcheon, I, mean, I can understand maybe pulling the rope a little bit on, on Kingery because of, you know, he's, he tends to be inconsistent and you've got Gosselin hitting really well, but McCutcheon's going to come through. I, I, I don't think McCutcheon's going to have one of those years where you look up at the end of the year and he's like only hitting 210. I just don't see that. All right. One more question to close the show. And this is, this is, this is one that surprisingly people haven't been talking about. And I guess as a testament to how well the offense has been overall, when do you bring Alec Bohm up? It's a great question. That's a great question. Well, is it possible that if Reese continues to struggle, that that's something that could be in play? Can he play first base and put him there and see what happens? I mean, I'm I'm obviously in that win now mode, and I'm at the point where I'm with you most. Where it's when you look at Andrew McCutcheon, he's a veteran. He had MVP seasons. You, you don't just like pull the rope on somebody like that. You let him earn his way out of it because he has that much respect in the league. But the win now in me is like, yeah, you know what? Maybe put Jay Bruce out there in left field and let McCutcheon sit a bit. But I know that's not <laughs> realistic. With Alec Bohm, with Reese Hoskins, if he continues to do this, they they probably value the walk a lot more than me and all of us do right now to the point where they might not pull him. But I think there is your opportunity if you wanted to get him in is in Reese Hoskins' spot playing first base. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that you could probably do that. And, um the thing is, if you do that, how 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 willing are you to lose Reese forever at this point? You know, I mean, to, to just bury him in the, the dugout and say you're not the guy we thought you were. Because if you if you bring up Boom, you want him to play play every day. I, I mean, I would think, or at least most days. Uh, I guess you could. Well, here's you, another you get thing, him a platoon real quick. It's Gene Segura at third base. He has he had the homer, but everyone was hitting the homer. Even Scott Kingery got to hit that game. So throw that game out the window. <laughs> Gene Segura hasn't playing red hot either. Can you find a way to put Bohm at first one game, third and another, or unless he's not ready defensively enough to start shifting him around the infield? Yeah, I'd worry about that. He yeah. wasn't regarded as a great defender to begin with. And Very one, true. One, one more question about Bohm. You probably have to get rid of somebody to add him to your roster. Can you, you're, you're not getting rid of Goslin. You're not going to get rid of Jay Bruce. That's your extra outfielder, Adam Hastley, right? Right. I mean, when you think of who the extras are, I mean, Neil Walker, I think they need the switch hitter who can play all over the field. Like, yeah, I, he hasn't been an issue. I don't, I don't, no. I don't want to get rid of Neil Walker. I don't want to get rid of Phil Goslin. But you can get rid of a bullpen arm, but then you're going to need to bring in a bullpen arm. Austin Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's really what it comes down to, Jeff. Will you go with one fewer pitcher to, right. to add Boehm? And you know what? Maybe down the stretch they're willing to do such a thing, but. Time, time will have to tell. I, th- I think, boom, you let him ride for a while just because you have some offense and while you figure out Kingery. And let's face it, if Kingery long-term is still struggling along, well, there's your spot in the lineup. Say, Gene Segura, go go grab your second baseman's mitt. And mm. we'll, oh, yeah, that's in we'll, play as well. Yeah, Segura moved the second, and then Bone plays the third. Oh, yeah, I think once we get to the last two or three weeks of the season, then all rules are off. If they, you know, the Phillies are in it, pressing for a playoff spot, you just got to play who you think gives you the best chance to win. And they very well could be in right now. They're still in the mix. They're since more than half the everybody teams will is make, will make the playoffs. <laughs> Freaking but, Marlins are in first place. I mean, my God, yeah, that win <laughs> percentage games. That win percentage, baby. Hey, could could have come well, in. We'll handy. keep an eye on the NL East leading Marlins as we we, we go forward. <laughs> the, this show went very very fast, but it's time for us to to head on out for the week. But we'll be back next week. Check us out anywhere you can find your, your podcast, sportstalkphilly.com, 97.3ESPN.com. For the Powder Blue Podcast, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. Be well, everyone. <laughs>